This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. What's eating at Vladimir Putin? I think he is getting even more paranoid these days. Andrei Soldatov is an investigative journalist and one of the world's premier experts on Russia's security services. Because the circle of people who are in position to tell him something and he would listen to is getting even smaller. Just how much smaller? Five years ago, it was about maybe two thousands of people. Now it's probably about three, four people. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. For years, we've been following the work of Andrei Soldatov. He's an investigative journalist from Russia, and he's one of the best in the world when it comes to knowing the ins and outs of Russia's security services. Some very interesting developments have taken place in Russia recently, so we called up Andre to ask Andre what his thoughts were about a number of topics, from the intelligence issues to what's going on with Vladimir Putin. And here's our conversation. Andre, for years you have done some amazing work um, from from your your vantage point, able to get deep inside uh, the ongoings of Russian government, intelligence, and military. And once again, you've done it. Um, you reported, um, I think it was a few days ago, uh, well before anybody else had any idea about this. And I'm not sure if anybody else has their own idea about this anyway now, that uh, a couple of high-ranking Russian intelligence officials had been put under house arrest. And that suggests some big problems inside the Kremlin. So I'm wondering if you could just give us some sense about um, what you learned in your investigation. Well, I've been following this uh, particular department of the FSB for almost 20 years. Uh, The first story I published about this department was probably 2002. And the reason is that uh, it was always interesting for me that uh, back during the Cold War, uh, a very aggressive uh, Soviet Union used to have two intelligence agencies. And in this new time with Vladimir Putin as president, we got three intelligence agencies. So we still have the SVR, Foreign Intelligence Agency. We still have GRU, Military Intelligence. But also we have this department inside of the FSB. And initially the idea for the FSB was to be uh, a completely domestic agency in charge of counterterrorism and uh, uh, counterintelligence. But uh, back in the late 1990s, when Putin was director of the FSB, uh, he sanctioned the creation of a new department, uh, which essentially became the foreign intelligence branch of 
the AV. Uh, so I've been curious about this department ever since. And unfortunately, the idea of this department is not only to conduct intelligence operations, but also uh, to conduct political warfare operations. And the reason, the reason for that is uh, this department of the FSB was given a, uh, an objective to control uh, political uh, situation in the former Soviet Union, which means to keep in power people who are loyal uh, to the Kremlin or to promote uh, candidates which could be loyal to the Kremlin and Vladimir Putin. And this department now uh, was in charge of providing intelligence for Vladimir Putin before the war. And now we got some arrests in this department, which is why I think it's, uh, it's, it's very important. So who were the people that were arrested? Uh, Sergei Biseda is the head of uh, the thief service of the FSB. Uh, the thief service, its official name is uh, the service of operative information and international ties is officially in charge of uh, maintaining and uh, cultivating uh, relationships with uh, the intelligence agencies of other countries. For instance, if uh, there is some information about uh, terrorists uh, and the FSB feels that it's uh, happy to share this information with the Americans, they would use these servers to contact the Americans. Unfortunately, inside of this service, there is also a department. It's called Department of uh, Operative Information, and it's essentially the foreign branch of the FSB. So two guys uh, who were placed under house arrest are the head of the service uh, and the head of the Department of Operative Information. So why specifically were these two arrested? Was it because of something they didn't do, their failures, or was it because of suspicions? Or what was the reasons? Uh, I was told that uh, there are two main reasons. One is uh, essentially bad intelligence, uh, which is sort of understandable given what is going on on the ground for Russian troops. But also uh, there are some accusations of uh, misusing funds uh, for uh, actually cultivating political groups who might be supportive for, uh, for the Russian troops. So it looks like they failed both as an intelligence gathering uh, agency, but also as a political warfare agency. Uh -huh. So are there others that you believe that are under suspicion or that the government that the Kremlin may be looking to arrest as well? Uh, well, usually the way it works for the FSB, if they start some sort of purges in some ministry or some government agency, they never stop with just two people. And I think we can apply this uh, to this uh, new scandal. Uh, the question is how far they are they're ready to go and how it could actually change the situation. And to be honest, I do not believe that uh, you can fix your problems with intelligence uh, via repressions. Usually the way it works, uh, you get people even more scared. I'm sure you saw that leaked letter from the FSB a little earlier in the week, last week, where this individual supposedly was talking about how bad things were, how, how much corruption there was, just how they were being told to 
produced intelligence um, that didn't exist. Um, he also talked about how the soldiers had been lied to. You know, there's also, you know, they've lost three top generals, to my knowledge, and I understand others might have been fired as well. So what what do you make of all of that? Does this suggest that uh, there is a bigger problem inside Vladimir Putin's circle, his inner circle, the intelligence, the the planning for all this? What does all of this tell you? Well, it's not only about what you are describing. It's It looks that it's even worse. For instance, in every Putin's war, and we have many, we have the Second Chechen War, we have the war in Georgia, we have the war in Syria. In every Putin's war, we had this uh, thing, it's called uh, the Joint Group of Forces. And usually it's a, it's a group of, uh, of forces of the armed force uh, and some other units, and you have a commander. So you have someone who is ultimately in charge of the situation on the battlefield. And in all the wars we had before, we knew the name of this guy. Not this time. Now we have two names, Minister of Defense, who has no military training, no military expertise. So he is in charge of the operation. And we have the head of the general staff and the spokesperson of the Minister of Defense. But we, do, uh, we, do not, uh, we don't have anyone on the ground, uh, at least to my knowledge, who would be in charge of the situation, I mean, in a tactical sense, which makes it really, really strange. I do not understand how you can actually run a war if you do not have someone who is in charge of the, of the operation on the ground. That's one thing. The other thing is uh, what is really surprising, that it looks like we have not only armed force involved, but also the units which have nothing, completely nothing to do with, um, uh, with fighting in the war, like uh, the National Guard troops. These people are trained to beat protesters on the street. Uh, they are not fighters. They are not uh, trained to engage in, uh, in a real uh, battle. And they were sent to Ukraine. It's absolutely insane. And uh, the only explanation I have is that before the war, Putin uh, came to a strange conclusion that the only thing he needed in Ukraine is some sort of policing operation. Like you need to disperse some groups of criminal, uh, criminals and uh, drug addicts and Nazi groups. And uh, for that, you need anti-riot police and that would be enough. Now, two weeks, actually more than two weeks later, what surprised me that I don't see any attempts to change the tactics, which I completely do not understand. Okay, you made your mistake. You got hit with this resistance from Ukraine. You need to alter your tactics. That's not what is going on right now. Yeah, this is all very strange. And um, a lot of people here have expressed the exact same sentiments that you have. They made a big mistake. They got caught, but they haven't made any changes so the question I'd like to ask you now, based on everything that we've talked about today and everything that you've written about and told us about in the up in in the run up to this war and 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 even now, what does this say about Vladimir Putin's confidence in the people around him? I've heard a couple of people whispering about the possibility or concern that he's worried about himself and his position, possible coup, et cetera. What does all of this suggest to you? 
Well, he, he was always uh, and has been always paranoid about himself and his security. Remember that he, is, uh, he has two intelligence agencies, uh, excuse me, two intelligence agencies in charge of his uh, personal protection. Uh, so he has this uh, Federal Protective Service and also the service of, of the protection of the president. He also, uh, well, well uh, he says that uh, he survived 12 or 13 attempts on his life. So he's been paranoid for many, many years. That is why we do not have information about his family. He's always hiding these facts about his daughters. It's all about his protection. It's all about his personal security and safety. So I think he is getting even more paranoid these days because the circle of people who are in position to tell him something and he would listen to is getting even smaller. Five years ago, it was about maybe two thousands of people. Now it's probably about three, four people. That is a big difference. <laughs> that is a it big... Is. It is. And I think the other problem is that Putin still thinks of himself as a highly trained intelligence officer. So he was always uh, very proud of himself, of being the best informed politician in the world, probably on the planet. He always uh, loved to throne you uh, his knowledge of statistics and all that things. So he believes in himself that he knows everything much better than his intelligence agencies. And obviously it makes things really difficult for his security and intelligence agencies to tell him something which uh, he doesn't expect to, uh, to listen. Just one more question. I don't want to keep you too long. I know you have things to do today. Do you get the sense there may be renewed efforts to, as some have said, deal with Putin or to uh, remove him or try to remove him, as futile as it may be? Do you get the sense that there may be some efforts and attempts to do that? Oh, it's a really difficult question. Uh, first of all, uh, 2022 is not the 1990s. Back in the 1990s, we had competing political groups. So if you had some conflict between, say, security services or the army, uh, there were some groups. So these uh, generals would uh, say they, they would have someone they could approach and talk to about a possible political solution. Now, the political opposition in the country is non-existent. All the politicians, our opposition politicians we have, they are either in, the, in, in exile or in jail or killed. So even if you have some generals thinking of doing something, there is no political group, no political force in the country to support them. So they need to build something from scratch uh, some conspiracy, some, some underground resistance, which is not very feasible given, the, uh, given that the FSB is uh, actually omnipresent in the society. Uh, and uh, you have them in the army, you, you have them in the ministries, almost everywhere. So, no, I would say right now these chances are really slim. Well, we thank you very much for your time. Um, we appreciate you. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode. Yevhenia Kravchuk is a Ukrainian member of parliament, and she says the world has to wake up 
to what Vladimir Putin and Russia are doing. If you try to, um, you know, to behave uh, by the rules, if you think you're behaving by the rules, but your counterpart just takes out the gun and shoots you, you know, that's not how dialogue works. She said all we need to do is to look back at Putin's behavior. Uh, and uh, I think that Putin crossed so many lines, red lines so many times that we need to wake up. This is not normal. This is not normal. And she is not normal. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm Martin Cove, Sensei John Kreese from Cobra Kai and the Karate Kid Trilogy. And who's kicking it with the Coves this week, Rach? We have Jacob Bertrand, who plays Hawk from Cobra Kai. I'm so excited. You know, my dad's a doctor, so he has to, like, wear the scrubs and the special hat and all that crap. And so he found out that I was getting a mohawk. He was like, dude, oh, I'm so jealous. I wish I could have a mohawk at my job. Oh, God, you're so lucky. Don't miss out. Listen to and follow Kicking It With The Coves. Now at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podcast One. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.